Girlfriends, episode number 317, Sharing the Faith with Kids with Claudia Kenjilla McAdams. Hello, and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom, and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. This week, my special guest is Claudia Cangilla McAdams, who writes children's books all about our Catholic faith. I can't wait to share this conversation with you. Let's get going. Hey, girlfriend, happy Easter. We can finally say Alleluia. He is risen. He is truly risen. I hope you are enjoying a joyful celebration of Easter so far with friends and family in your home and in your parish. I love that the church gives us 50 days to celebrate this season. So you know what? If you didn't get around to making that particular Easter recipe or that craft, or if you haven't dyed eggs yet and you want to do that with your kids, you can still do it. It's still Easter. It's Easter for a long time. You don't necessarily have to be eating, you know, the chocolate Whopper eggs all that time, although I might just give that a go this year. Um, I do that every year, actually. That won't make an exception this year if I eat Whopper eggs for all 50 days of Easter. But that's my personal celebration. Yours might look very different, but I want to encourage you to recognize that there are lots of ways to be continuing to celebrate the Easter season and making the most of it with your friends, with your family, with your kids, right in your own home and family. Before we dive into our interview this week, I just want to thank those of you who are here for the first time. Thank you for showing up. Thank you for giving us a try. I want to give you a special welcome. I'm glad you are checking out Girlfriends, and I hope you're going to like what we offer here. If you're just coming back after a while away, or if you are always a listener, I want to welcome you back. I am always so glad to be able to share this time together with you right here on Girlfriends. Thank you for showing up. All right, this week, my special guest is a children's book author, and I love the opportunity to talk with children's book authors. I'm so fascinated by this particular craft, and especially when it relates to our faith. And Claudia McAdams is a really talented children's book author who specializes in matters of our Catholic faith. I really love talking with her, and I can't wait to share this conversation with you. Take a listen. Joining me today here on Girlfriends is Claudia Kinjilla McAdam. Claudia is a Catholic award-winning author of books for kids and teens. She has an undergraduate degree in English, is a graduate of the Denver Catholic Biblical School, and obtained her master's degree in theology from the Augustine Institute in Denver. She has authored two dozen books, and her faith-based titles invite children to learn, love, and live their Catholic faith. Her most recent works are two 32-page picture books published by Ascension Press, The Real Presence and Louise Lent. Claudia Kinjilla McAdam, welcome to Girlfriends. I'm so happy that you're here with me today. Hi, Danielle. Lovely to speak with you. I'm glad to be here. Thanks so much. Oh, you're welcome. I am, I'm excited to talk about you know, the children's books that you create um, because, you know, in recent years, I've noted that um, Catholic publishers are picking up this a little bit. And I was especially thrilled to see the new line of books that's especially out from Ascension, Ascension Kids, and the kinds of books that they're exploring publishing for Catholic families, because that wasn't always the case. You know, you and I, before we came on air here, we were talking a little bit about the golden days <laughs> that I've been involved in going way back in publishing magazines. And I've been in the Catholic publishing space for a long time. And it's only very recently that I've begun to see that people are more and more published 
publishing some children's literature. And I've been really happy to see that because I'm such a fan of children's literature and then especially of children's books that incorporate our faith. So maybe just to get us started in this conversation, share with us, how did you come to begin writing um, and writing children's books in particular? I have wanted to be a writer ever since age 10. I knew at that age that that's what I wanted to do with my professional career. And so I, I made sure I studied hard in school, particularly my English classes. I made, majored in English in college. And before I was even out of college, I was being published in children's magazines and newspapers. So I was doing a lot of uh, stories and articles and poetry for kids, newspapers and magazines. And so my my whole adult career has been being a full-time children's author. And the, in the most recent decades, I've also come into writing children's books. I've written about two dozen kids' books. And in the last 10 or 12 years, I have turned my attention more specifically to writing faith-based works. I still write secular books for kids and teens. But as I was learning more and more about my own Catholic faith, um, by going to the Denver Catholic Biblical School, mm-hmm. by by getting a master's degree in theology at the Augustan Institute, I be- I fell in love with scripture. And I thought, wow, I'm learning so much. If only I had known when I was a kid what I know now, right. my life my life would have been very different and deeper and richer and, and more devout right. and more faithfully lived. And so I thought, how can I how can I write stories that help kids do that? And that's where I began writing books specifically for kids that either are historical fiction that take them back to the time of Jesus mm-hmm. or that are set in contemporary times, but that feature main characters who are kids or teens just like themselves with the same questions and problems and struggles. And hopefully they're reading these books. They will enjoy a story, but learn something from it. And as you said, come come to learn and love and live their Catholic faith more deeply. Right. I, I love that. That's a that's a beautiful goal to have. And there's not a ton out there that is doing specifically that. So I'm, I'm grateful for the kind of work that you're producing that can do exactly that, kind of bringing Bible stories alive for kids and and helping us, just like you said, because, you know, you, when you're describing, oh, they have some of the same problems, the same questions, the same struggles. Like when I wrote some of my books for women that are based on women in the Bible, um, I did one that was just New Testament and one that was Old Testament. And I found the same thing, that these are stories from long ago, but they there's so many parallels and so many things that apply to our lives today. So I love the opportunity to you know have these books as a way of beginning those kinds of conversations with our kids. But let's talk about the books, especially. Let's start with the real presence. Um, can you just let us know what, it, I, what it's about and exactly where this idea came from? The, this story is about two cousins at the time of Jesus. They live in Capernaum, Mm -hmm. which is the town where Jesus was based throughout his ministry. And these cousins are Abigail and Zedekiah, and they argue about everything a lot. (laughs) I mean, they're typical, you know, what you might find in families, you know, your your siblings, you might be arguing with them as you're growing up or or your cousins. And so these two are, they're they're debating which is better, the grain that Zedekiah's family grows Mm -hmm. or the grapes that Abigail's family produces, which is better, wheat or wine. And so they decide they're going to ask Jesus, which he thinks is better. <laughs> so they they go to see him when he, while he's teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum. But before they can ask him their question, he is giving his bread of life discourse. And they hear him say, 
unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you will not have life in you. And they don't really understand what he's saying. And they see people getting angry and leaving and, and they're divided on what they believe Jesus means by this. And so they mm-hmm. debate, you know, was this just a joke? You know, was he just being exa- exaggerating his words or, and Abigail says, no, I don't understand how this is possible, but I believe in what he says. Somehow mm-hmm. I believe it's possible to eat his body and drink his blood. Mm-hmm. So down the road a while, they are headed to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover with their extended family. And they're going to celebrate Passover at the home of their aunt. And when they arrive there, they see she has some very special guests at her home for Passover. And it's Jesus and his apostles. Oh. So Zedekiah and and Abigail are able to give Jesus their presence of bread and wine. And they watch him institute the Eucharist. And their agreement turns, their argument turns to agreement because they see him change those things into his body and blood. Mm -hmm. And they realize that, yes, they are to eat and drink and believe in what the Lord has said. Wow. I I mean, I I think that's such a creative way of approaching this kind of time-tested topic in the Catholic Church, this is the thing that so many of us struggle with, this idea of real presence. And, you know, there was that discouraging poll that came out not too long ago about the enormous percentage of everyday modern Catholics who do not believe in the real presence in the Eucharist. So I love that this book is an opportunity to really emphasize that teaching for kids, but in a way that's very accessible to them. Right. And their parents, too. I mean, that, that Pew Research survey that you referenced showed that sadly, up to 70% of Catholics don't believe in the real presence of Jesus Christ in the Eucharist, and that that teaching is central to our faith, and the Eucharist is the source and summit of our Catholic faith. So it's important to realize that, nope, Jesus said what he said, and he meant what he said, and we're to believe what he said and do what he said. Right. So this is this is a way to present this, that story in a very, very simple way but that allows you to go deeper into understanding and thinking about it. And along those lines, for all of my picture books, I create a discussion and activities guide that's available for free at my website, ClaudiaMcAdam.com, where people can request that. And then they can do some fun things like a coloring page and a, a maze and a word search and fun things like that, but also look at some of the discussion questions and go deeper into what, what I've presented in the book. Right. Oh, I think that's that's great. And I love that you have those extra resources available because that's going to be helpful not only to parents and grandparents, but also I think, you know, Catholic school teachers or catechists in the classroom. This is a great opportunity to go just a little further with the teaching in this book. Um, and also, let's let's talk about the timing of this book. Like, why why this book and why now? Why is this important? You know, the USCCB is really stressing the importance of the real presence and understanding that. And they'll be doing a lot of meeting about it and a lot of um, work to increase the devotion among the laity for the Eucharist. And so th- the timing is actually perfect. It, it, when I wrote the book, that wasn't even a consideration, right. but, but that it's come out now is really, uh, it's divine providence in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. So it's really just very, very fitting that it would come out at this time. Um, but so an, a unique thing with, when you're talking about children's books uh, are the, the illustrations. This is, this is something I don't have experience with as an author, but it fascinates me, this relationship between an author and illustrator. Can you describe what that process was like and tell us a little bit about the illustrations? I can. And, and most people don't understand how a typical picture book comes together. So I love 
explaining to people how it usually works, unless you are the author illustrator, which I'm not, right. I can, I can't draw a straight line with a ruler and I'm not <laughs> kidding you. Um, so I, I don't submit any pictures or dr- illustrations with my work. Mm-hmm. What I do is sell my story to a publisher. So Ascension Press acquires that story. Then they go out and get a, an illustrator whose work matches the story. And I am so blessed. The real presence is illustrated by Gina Capaldi. She's an award-winning illustrator mm-hmm. whose her, her career path in a way, kind of mirrors mine. From age 10, she knew she wanted to be a professional illustrator. Mm-hmm. And she wrote to Norman Rockwell when she was a little girl Whoa. and said, I love your work. I want to do what you do when I grow up. He wrote back to her and she has that letter tacked to her drafting oh table. Goodness. I mean, what an inspiration. That's beautiful. And, and her work is so gorgeous that um, it, it's soft, but it's emotional. And a good illustrator will be able to tell the story in pictures so that you really don't even need the words. I mean, you can mm-hmm. look at the pictures and follow the story. And she has done an exceptional job. I, I'm so honored to have her have having illustrated this book. Yes, they really are beautiful illustrations. Um, and, and I am fussy about such things, <laughs> especially when it comes to our kids' books, right? Especially we parents as we're, these are books we're going to read, you know, probably a hundred times. Sure. And you're going to be looking at these illustrations. And that was always a pet peeve of mine when uh, my kids were little was the they, you know, bring me picture books that maybe had a great story. But if I didn't like the illustrations, it wasn't one I was going to be <laughs> wanting to pick up again. So uh, I love the beautiful way that the they complement the the words of the story and they really kind of bring out even more detail and more of a feel for what's going on. Right. And the illustrator is able to give his or her interpretation of the story, you know, pull out some some things that maybe I don't actually say in the story, additional things that yeah. they are able to put in. And that and it makes it for an overall much more pleasing and engaging book. Yeah, that's wonderful. So did you see the illustrations as she was working on them? Or was it like, here they all are all at once? Or how is that? (laughs) Yep. And you know, I with my illustrators over the years, I generally don't ever meet them. Sometimes I never talk to them. And sometimes I never even email with them. Wow. Some and they range from people living in Scotland, to New York, to Israel. Wow. Uh, They're all over the place. Mm -hmm. So um, the the way it works is that I don't say I want this to look like this. You right. know, the author the author doesn't say that, but as Gina was working on the illustrations, she would send them to the publisher to Ascension Press, mm-hmm. who would send them to me, and I could look at them and and you know make any minor corrections. You know, oh no, this she can't have this character can't have that item in her hand yet because that's not part of the story yet. You right. know, just little technical things, but no, nothing big. And I don't think I had anything to, to say about Gina's work. It was gorgeous and, and spot on. So, but yes, the, the author is able to see the illustrations in pencil form generally right. as, as they're being um, created. So it's really a beautiful surprise to get your author's copy and open it up and say, wow, that looks great. Right. Now, is, is Gina also the, the illustrator for your other book, Louise Lent, that's available through Ascension? She's not a young man named Michael Rogers illustrated that book. And it's a, it's a completely different feel and a different style to the illustrations there. Let's talk about that book a little bit. Um, so this this will publish, we're, we're pre-recording, but this is going to publish, I, I think, after Lent this year. So we'll be in no, the Easter actually, season. Actually, it's already out, Danielle. Okay. It is already out. So 
Lucky us. That's great. That's great. Um, so, but by the time this this podcast publishes, there it won't be Lent, is what I'm saying. I see what you're saying. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no, no. I but but it's I think that's great though because usually coming off of Lent, I know I do this. I like to make a plan for the next Lent, especially with regard to family things and um activities you might do as a family or things you might do with your kids or grandkids or in your classroom. So, um, definitely let let's talk about what what is this book about and um in what ways are you hoping it's going to encourage kids uh, to grow in their faith during Lent? It's a, it's a contemporary book. So it's set in modern times mm-hmm. and it's Ash Wednesday and Louie and his classmates are in their Catholic school classroom with their teacher, Sister Mary Lawrence. And the kids are so excited because they're saying what, what resolutions they're going to observe mm-hmm. or what sacrifices they're going to do during Lent. I mean, I'm not going to eat sweets or I'm not going to play video games, et cetera. And Louis is unsure what to give up for Lent. He, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't eat sweets. He, his family does, can't afford video games. So he doesn't know what, what to do. And so he thinks he's kind of failing at his, at his Lenten practices. And, but what he does throughout this story is his actions support his classmates in what their sacrifices and resolutions are. Oh. For example, the boy who gives up playing video games is dejected because he, you know, I don't have anything to do now. Yeah, what else can you possibly do? Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> and so Louis, Louis accompanies him to the park where they volunteer to help coach a preschool soccer team. And so they, they get out and do something for someone else. And the whole, the whole point of the story is that Lenten sacrifices are not about outward signs, but rather about growing closer to God and giving him our hearts. Mm-hmm. And the greatest sacrifice we can offer to God is the gift of ourselves in doing something for someone else. Uh So, you know, Jesus said, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Sacrifices are great, but being merciful and being loving to others is even more important. So Louis actually has a very, very successful Lent, despite what he thinks. Oh, I, I think that's really a great take on it. And and something that I am always very interested, even just for me personally, as I'm approaching Lent, kind of a, a check in about what my attitude is toward it. Like, do I feel like Lent is something I'm going to do something I'm going to accomplish something I'm going to get 100 on at the end of the day. But it's <laughs> like you said, it's about growing in relationship and understanding that true meaning of sacrifice focused on others. So I, I love that that lesson comes out in this simple story, but also an inspiring story. Um, in what ways do you think this book can help uh, a parent to encourage their children to stay focused? You know, because Lent is 40 days. That's a, that's like an eternity to a, a second grader, right? <laughs> or to an adult. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, it can be. Um, you know, I think it's important to understand where do we get 40 days? I mean, 40 is an, an important number in scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we think of Moses on Mount Sinai for 40 days, Jesus right. in the desert for 40 days, the, the Israelites wandering in the desert for 40 years. I mean, it's a time of trial and preparation mm-hmm. and temptation. And if we can model ourselves after what Jesus did, we can we can grow in our faith and in our devotion. And I think it's important to emphasize to kids that Lent is a time not just to learn with doing less. We learn to do to do with less so that we can become more. Mm. It's it's about that interior change that we want to go through. And um, Louis learned how to do that. And I think adults and kids can work together to do that. Maybe even share a sacrifice. I'll, I'll give you a little story. I was with my seven-year-old grandson on um, 
the day before Lent started. And I said to him, Finn, what, what are you guys having for dinner tonight? He was so excited. He said, we're having pizza. I said, oh, that's great. You're really happy about that. He's like, yeah, it's margarita day. And I said, wait a minute. What, what is he thinking margarita pizza? I don't think he knows what that means. I said, what do you margarita day? He's like, yeah, you know, the day before Ash Wednesday. Oh, I said, oh, you mean Mardi Gras. Okay. <laughs> so we talked a little bit about Mardi Gras. And I said, so Finn, what are you, what are you giving up for Lent? And he says, I'm going to do the same thing I did last year when he was six. And I thought, oh, great. What was that? He says, I am going to stop fussing, stop complaining. And I said, huh, you know what, Finn? I am going to do the same thing you're doing. And I bet bet you're more successful than I am. (laughs) So I I have a little sign taped to my computer monitor. It says, stop fussing. So that when I get upset, like when my cell phone completely died on Ash Wednesday, I mean, I had to go get a new one. Oh, gosh. I I didn't fuss once. Mm. I was so proud of myself because (laughs) he's helping me change who I am on the inside. So I think, yeah, parents and kids can can join together maybe in what they're doing. We have a lot to learn from each other. I've had moments like that as well where I feel like, oh, my my kid is... (laughs) <laughs> is edifying and sanctifying me, like with their example sometimes. And I, I love that you're doing that together and you're each in your own way giving up fussing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we could all afford to do a little bit less fussing, Lent or not. But you mentioned this is a different illustrator. So can you tell us a little bit about these illustrations? They're, you know, they're modern day. They're not kids dressed in, in long robes, right. or, you know, and, and they're in their Catholic school uniforms. They're, they're absolutely darling. I think they're real relatable kids. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, they're from all different ethnic backgrounds, as is our Catholic church, right. you know, and they, they um, interact with each other in a really positive and encouraging way. And the, the illustrations, I think, are uh, enticing to kids because they look like kids like themselves. Right. And they're they're in a school setting as they are, you know, and and so they it's a good way for kids to kind of put themselves, you know, in that classroom, that desk seat where the main characters are or at the park with them while they're kicking the soccer ball around mm-hmm. just to try to enter into the story as if they were there. And, and I think the illustrations are really, really cute. And I love that Michael Rogers incorporated things like the crucifix on the wall at school mm-hmm. and a prayer, a picture of Jesus on the wall at one of the students' homes. So it's got a very, very good Catholic feel to it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And I, I love that you you have a mix of these ancient stories, but also modern day stories. Um, so there's there's a lot of variety there for, for kids and parents to be reading about. Um, so let's talk, before we have to wrap up here, we're going to have to wrap up pretty soon, but um, you, you do author visits? Do you go to classrooms? I do in person or virtually. Nice. So um, if I can get to a, a school, if it's, you know, physically possible, I love to go in and all my illustrations for my books are on PowerPoint presentations so that I can show them to a whole classroom or school full of kids at the same time while I read the book. And then then we can have discussions like the discussions that are in my discussion and activities guides for these books. We can talk about the things that you and I have been talking about. How can you have a better Lent, for example, Mm -hmm. or what does the real presence of Jesus mean to you? Questions like that. And online, it's really been uh, one of the blessings of the pandemic is that I can do Zoom presentations with classrooms Mm -hmm. anywhere, anywhere in the world. And it's been really great to interact with students and teachers and homeschooling groups and, you know, all sorts of different book clubs. I've 
you know, if it's appropriate for a, a book club kind of setting and be able to um, interface with people from afar. And so that that's really a, a great thing to do. And anybody who wants to do that can just contact me through my website, ClaudiaMcAdam.com. Okay, great. We will definitely have that linked up in the show notes. Also, is that the place to go for the discussion guides and yes. all of the other information? Yeah, exactly. Okay. So all of the related resources, it's more than just a book. So I love that you have these these different resources to support parents and teachers and, and catechists and homeschoolers that are going to be using these books to help enhance their kids' faith formation. So beautiful. So I, I want to thank you, Claudia, for coming on Girlfriends today to share about this important work that you're doing in children's literature. I love that you have made the pivot in your your professional life to creating these faith-based resources for kids and families. And I'm grateful to the Catholic publishers who have made that pivot in their philosophy and are offering more and more books of this nature because I, I, I see the need out there mm-hmm. and it's wonderful to be able to put what I do together with what the consumer needs and wants. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I'm happy for you and I'm happy for us. So I think it's a, a wonderful new resource. So folks, you're going to want to check that out. I will have all of the links in the show notes for you at ascensionpress.com. Thanks so much for joining me today, Claudia. Danielle, thank you. God bless you and all your listeners. All right, coming up, we've got more of the show for you. But first, a quick break. I'm Danielle Bean, and you're listening to The Girlfriends Podcast. Hi, I'm Sonia Corbett, the Bible study evangelista. When I became Catholic, I had a really hard time understanding the role Mary was supposed to play in my life. So I went to her and I told her, I just don't get it. I need your help. And guess what? Mary did just that. She showed me a way to pray that has revolutionized my entire life. Mary has been called the mother of listening. She didn't just hear the word. She knew how to hear it in light of her own relationships, circumstances, and habits. And then she let the word transform her. I realized that I had to share what I was learning about Mary's way of praying with others. So I wrote How to Pray Like Mary, a step-by-step guide to discovering God's voice in the scriptures and letting Him transform your heart. I invite you to learn more about How to Pray Like Mary at ascensionpress.com or on Amazon. Welcome back. Now, this is the segment of the show where I like to share some listener feedback or a listener question with you. And this week, I heard from listener Maria. Maria wrote this. Hello, Danielle. Thank you for your podcast. I look forward to listening every week. I am a mom of five kids ages 12 and under. I'm writing because I feel terrible about it, but I find myself resenting my own mom as she requires more time and attention as she ages. My dad died about 12 years ago, and since then, my mom moved to live live closer to us, which was great. But in recent years, I've noticed her becoming more and more needy. She calls or stops by and seems to just want to talk, but I'm really busy with the kids and my part-time work, and I don't always have the patience for it. My mom is still very healthy, and I encourage her to do things socially or try new things, but she really doesn't ever do that. She counts on me for so much, from doctor's appointments to grocery shopping to just being her social life, and I feel like I'm being pulled in too many directions. It doesn't help that my mom tends to be a negative person and complains or feels sorry for herself a lot, and I am exhausted from it. Am I just an awful, selfish daughter for feeling this way, Maria? Okay, so I'm sorry you're feeling like this, Maria. I am sorry you're dealing with this. First of all, you are not an awful human being. You're not a selfish daughter. 
it, you're a human being, right? You're just a human being and you do have limitations and it's good that you're recognizing this is not ideal. And maybe um, you can address it partly by working on yourself and, you know, trying to be more open and more generous and more patient. But there are other things you can do as well, because this situation does sound a little bit unbalanced. So first of all, I would say, ask for help ask for help with with your mom. Maybe, you know, farming out some of those rides that she's counting on you for or some of the other responsibilities. Maybe you need to hire help if, for some of the kinds of duties that she might be requiring you to help her with. Um, but, you know, looking at, for ways that you can have others um, do that kind of support for your mom, even if you're paying somebody to do it, um, can be a way of kind of taking some of that burden off of you in the way that's, uh, you know, allowing you in the end to feel resentful. And I'm sure that's not what your mom wants. And then uh, second of all, ask your mom to do some things for you. This can work both ways, right? You can, you know, take her to a doctor's appointment, but you said she's still in good health. So she can fold a load of laundry. She can watch kids for a little while. She could wash the dishes. She could unload the dishwasher. She could vacuum the living room. You know, I think that maybe it would be helpful to her to feel needed in that way and feel productive in that way. So if you were counting on her for certain things, and I don't mean overwhelm her with chores and don't act like you only, you know, only value her at your house if she's showing up to do something like that. But I think there's a lot of value in just allowing her to be a contributing member of your household in some capacity. She might respond really well to that. But again, I don't know your mom. So this, these are just some suggestions. And, and also, I want to encourage you to be honest with your mom, not in a mean way, not in, you know, a complaining way. But, you know, you mentioned her being negative or complaining. I mean, you can just share with her very honestly, you know, something like, hey, mom, it, it brings me down when you talk so negatively. Can we talk about something positive? It was like life changing for me when I realized years ago that there was somebody in my life um, that kind of was similar in always saying negative things. And it was very freeing for me to realize I could just respond honestly. And I found myself saying things like, oh, that's a terrible thing to say. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, you don't have to be judgy about it, but you be honest with how you're responding to her negativity. A lot of times, honest feedback from people is helpful and formative. So if you're like hiding how you have this intensely negative reaction to her negativity, then she isn't really having the opportunity to reflect on the fact or even notice the fact that she's being negative. Do you understand what I'm saying? So I think it might be helpful to not in a mean way, not in a, you know, complaining way, not in a nagging way, not in a scolding way, but just in an honest way. Be honest about how you feel about the things she shares and the way that she shares them and be encouraging. Like, could we talk about something positive or, hey, mom, what's something good that happened to you this week? Or what's something you're thankful for? And I, I recognize that it's difficult because um, at the at the stage of life where you are right now, and I find myself there too, we're in between kids and parents. And we're kind of parenting our own parents in some ways. Those roles are shifting and it can be uncomfortable a little bit. But the same way you would with a child who is overly negative and complaining, you can redirect and be honest in you know giving her feedback for that. And then finally, I want to encourage you that you can so set boundaries. You know, if your mom is coming over a lot and it's really disruptive to you and your family life, you can let her know. Like, here are the times when 
Um, we need it to be quiet time and just family time here. And here are the times when we would love to have you. Making sure that, in, and I'm not going to promise that she's not going to receive that negatively, but it is very reasonable to set that kind of a boundary in a loving, positive way. I think that maybe talking with your husband a little bit, or you don't mention other family members, if you have any siblings or um, maybe even a good friend that can kind of give you perspective on how to approach that or what kind of a boundary might make sense. You don't want it to come across to your mom as you don't want her there, but it is very much within reasonable expectations that you would have time that's just for you and your family and your home. You have work that you need to be doing. You've got kids that you're caring for. They probably are in school and um, you're just trying to run a household. And um, so sometimes it's going to make sense to say, you know, during these times, I need it to be just us. And but also say during these times, we would love it if you were here just making sure that you're you're being positive about it. Again, I don't know your mom and I can't promise she's going to respond positively, but I can tell you that is a very reasonable boundary to set in that way. So I hope some of that is helpful. Where I don't know your exact situation, I'm not sure how helpful it can be. But know that you're not alone. Many of us are kind of straddling that, you know, called called the sandwich generation where you're getting squeezed from both ends as your parents are aging and needing you in different ways and your kids always are needing you in different ways. So it's exhausting. It can be very hard. So look for the help that you can find for it and then set some of those reasonable boundaries with your mom. I pray that is going to be helpful to you. All right, that's all the time that we have for today, but I want to thank you for being here. Thanks for being part of this episode of the Girlfriends Podcast. I do not take for granted the fact that you have limited number of hours each week and you choose to spend some of that precious time right here with me. I am so grateful for that. Until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a collaboration between DanielleBean.com and Ascension, the leader in Catholic faith formation.